0: You can't fight, he said, withstand. You can't withstand, he said, stand. What does it mean to stand? He said, don't change. What, don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we've got to change it just a little bit, because our daddy did it like for and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for
1: joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. My name is David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We're glad that you're here. Looking forward to this episode. This is a uh, an important topic, one that has been around for a long time. And uh, to be honest, I haven't heard people really sit down and explain it. So looking forward to talking about legalism. Legalism. Yes, that is the topic. So before we get into that have my co-host, Brother Tim Peterson, my son-in-law and the youth director of our church. And uh, a millennium, you know, rebel, punk, going the way of the world, no, not much hope for him. Uh, anyway, just kidding. Uh, that is not him, but uh, I appreciate you. Brother Tim, how are you?
2: I uh, Doing good, doing good. I hear that all the time. I get it all the time. Uh, and, uh, it is sad. It's it not time.
1: true. It's not true for you, but mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is sad that so many times... People get labeled that way, and it doesn't have to be that way. I don't believe in a generation gap. I don't believe there has to be, you know, with this group and this group. Truth is truth, and you can believe it no matter what Agreed. age you are. So um, I appreciate your commitment to truth and right and standing and all. So before we get into the topic of the day, so uh, how are you doing? How's family? How's the weekend?
2: Doing good. Uh, family's doing good. And uh, we're awaiting our next child uh, and should be here any day now. Uh, pretty close to it. We'll see. Um, and then, yeah, kids are doing good. And, uh, and yeah, we had a great weekend uh, this, past, this past weekend uh, through church on Sunday and visiting on Saturday. Had an incredible time. Uh, got to speak to uh, one of our bus riders uh, it's actually the bus rider I mentioned in a, in our previous podcast um, that I talked to his mom's boyfriend a couple weeks ago and then um, spoke to the mom this weekend, and we hadn't been able to talk to her in depth uh, very much in the past and um, had some of the teenagers with me and, and uh, went to visit uh, the bus rider. The mom answered the door, got to talk to her, and and that was the, the our bus rider was still sleeping so so had a had a chance to talk to her a little bit longer than normal and just got to go through the plan of salvation with her and even though she had been sending her kids to church and things like that she didn't know that it was just uh, by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and got to explain that through uh, with her and go step by step and just really take some time and you could see the change on her face when she realized Uh, all that she had been striving to do and you know she wants her kids in church and she wants uh, she wants that them to have a good life and all those things but when you got to just explain to her it's just by faith and trust in Jesus Christ and she was like that is so different than what I've ever heard from any church and that is such an incredible thing and so she was very relieved and very grateful that that there would be a savior who would save her. And it was just, man, with the teenagers who were with me, when we got back in the car, it was, it was just exciting just to see that change and that realization of, of a savior who loves her. It was, it was a blessing and it was a blast. We had a great time.
1: Awesome. Um, We had over 50 people on Saturday to come out to go soul winning. And boy, what a blessing that was. And I took three guys from our men's home. These guys that have been in jail, most of them felons, have uh, a pretty big history and background. And we went out soul winning and just had so much fun. And the guys got to um, see some people saved, got to watch me lead some people to Christ. And and they were so excited um, to see. And after we went to Taco Bell and they got fired up, they were giving tracks to everybody, talking to everybody, inviting people to come. and, And it was so neat to see from so far away in the world to be able to see God work on them and change them so it, it's amazing what it does so many people today are against owning or don't do it don't talk about it and uh, that well are they getting saved i don't know i know we gave them a clear presentation of the gospel i know when i go through the plan of salvation by the times I repeat it and go back and ask them questions and then pray, I know they've heard it five or six times. If they didn't trust Christ, that's on them because they they heard it, even had to repeat it and, um, and as, answer questions. But anyway, we had a great time. But it, what it does for us, rewards in heaven, we're rewarded for our labor. And then what it does for the person, boy, their eternity has changed. But then just by going, the other people, it's amazing to see how much they grew. For the house, what I was talking about, how he did not use his uh, people to build his work. He used his work to build his people, and it really is true. When we can help our people to serve the Lord, they grow, and it's amazing how it helps them. But anyway, we have a topic. I don't know if this is going to be two. We're going to see how much we get into uh, now, but we're going to jump in on legalism. So uh, as you hear it, let me ask, how many people could define legalism if you had to? Then what would be your definition, okay? In your mind, legalism. We've all heard it. Uh, What would be your definition of legalism if you had to? Had to um, give one, okay? How about this? Could you answer this? What's the difference between theological legalism and legalism? Is there a difference? What's the difference in theological legalism and legalism? Definitions are important. Words have meaning. Uh, and by the way, people change the meaning of words. For instance, uh, gay. What does gay mean today compared to 100 years ago? I looked this up in an older dictionary. Gay, adjective. Mary jovial, uh, sportive, frolicsome. It denotes a more life and animation than cheerful. Um, Fine, showy, a gay dress. Um, By the way, it has a different word usage back then too. It says a vulgar use of the word in America is gay for inflamed or merry with liquor, intoxicated. Okay, so uh, interesting. Now, What does gay mean now? (laughs) I'm not going to read that definition, but yes, it is different. Same thing, marriage today and 10 years ago, how words change. These are two different dictionaries. Married, older older, uh, Webster said, the act of marrying or the state of being married, a legal union of a man and a woman for life as husband and wife, wedlock, matrimony. Okay? And the new definition says, a relationship between two people who are husband and wife or... A similar relationship between people of the same sex. That's a dictionary definition. And so when you see how those things change, definitions of words change. Um, and so then what you also have to do is make sure you're getting a theological definition or a Bible definition and not just a secular one. Because the secular words have a different, different definition than a Bible or a theological definition. For instance, um, so the word saved, what does it mean? Theologically, so you look up, look up "save." Go to a dictionary, and it will one of the definitions will be this: "He backed up a document to his hard drive." But Tim, would that be a theological defi- definition?
2: Uh, maybe if you save your sermon on a hard drive.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, it would not be. It would not be.
1: Not at all. All right. How about this one? He kept the hockey puck from going into the net. Would that be a theological definition? No, it would not. Not at all. How about this one? Delivered from sin or uh, and from spiritual death, rescued from eternal punishment. Would that be a theological definition? Absolutely. And so when you look up a a word, there are so many different ways to define it. And so you have to make sure you're using the theological definition if you're talking about a Bible word or a Bible topic. So now these words are not Bible words, rapture, Bible legalism, but it is important how we define them. So today... People call other legalists, they say they're into legalism, he's a legalist pastor, you're a legalist, um, and it is not a good term. It's a derogatory term, very derogatory term. It's almost like, again, it's not to that level, but it's almost like calling somebody a racist or a misogynist um, and then say, defend yourself, okay? <laughs> so you're a racist. And what do you say? No, I'm not. Uh huh. Yeah, that's what a racist would say. Uh, yep. uh, you're a misogynist. No, I, I don't hate women. I love women. My mom and my wife are women. Yep. That's what a misogynist would say. How do you defend yourself from that when it's just an attack um, on you? And the same thing with legalism. It is hard. And so for so many years, I have heard people uh, be called legalists, legalistic church. That's a legalistic pastor. And really, we have to be on the right page if we're going to define that. So um, I spent a lot of time looking up legalism, 25 different dictionaries, okay? 25 different dictionaries to see. By the way, legalism is not in Webster's 1828 dictionary. How come the word wasn't used back then? It was not a word. Um, it came first in the Oxford English Dictionary, the twenty-volume set, and uh, it cites in 1838. And here's the definition: Oxford English Dictionary, 1838. It says, "Being saved through the law instead of the gospel." Being saved through the law instead of the gospel. That is Oxford English Dictionary, the 20-volume set um, in 1838. It wasn't even a word in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, okay? So that is the definition. That's what it should be. Now, by the way, please, Jim, are there people today that believe that they're saved through the law and not through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus?
2: Yes, we meet them all the time, all over our city, Absolutely. Uh, everywhere we go. We meet them everywhere.
1: They are all over. And they say, oh, you must work for the church or you're not going to be saved. Uh, You must go to church every week uh, in order to keep your salvation. You have to listen to only this type of music or you're not saved. Uh, If you don't evangelize, you're not going to be saved. Um, You must look like this in order to be saved. You have to stop eating this. And usually it's bacon, sausage, ham, um, uh, all of which I had last night. (laughs) You must stop (laughs) eating this or you're not going to be saved. Um, or you must follow this man-made tradition. And so they, there are churches that are totally legalistic that believe you have to obey the law or do works in order to be saved, which is the definition of that. Um, Galatians, the whole book is written to help and teach that. Um The the Galatians had been betwixt, they had been deceived, someone had come in and preached another gospel, and Paul was setting the record right, and he said, you did run well, who hath hindered you that you should not obey the truth? And so Paul was explaining to them that you are now teaching, you've fallen from teaching salvation by grace, you're now teaching salvation by the law and being circumcised. Galatians 2.16, Paul told them this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even... We have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Very, very simple, okay? Ephesians, he told them, 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now, (laughs) Tim, we are exactly the opposite of a legalist. Uh, When they say you have to live by works, works or do the law to go to heaven. We're exactly opposite. I had a lady tell me one time, I met her out sewing, and she said, I heard that you believe that if they don't go to your church, that they're not going to go to heaven. And I juggled. I said, ma'am, I said, listen, very carefully. I believe you can never go to church a day in your life, any church, and you can still go to heaven. Church has nothing to do with going to heaven. It's salvation through Jesus Christ. She goes, wow. So uh, obviously somebody had told her wrong. We're exactly opposite of a legalist. There's nothing outside of Jesus Christ that you can do or add to to be saved. And once you are saved, there's nothing you can do that can take you out of that. We're saved eternally. Uh, You can't lose that gift. So we are exactly opposite of a church that's legalist. But boy, would we get branded as a legalist church by so many people. Now, so what many churches and Christians have tried to do is if you believe something in the Bible is right, And something you should do then you're a legalist if you believe someone should live a certain way or go by certain rules or laws then you are a legalist if you believe that everything's okay and you can do whatever you want then you're not a legalist okay you believe in grace but if you believe that god has a way that he wants us to live then you're a legalist now again we do not believe you have to live in a certain way to go to heaven that's by faith uh, in Jesus Christ. But after we're saved, yes, as one of God's children, there are things that He wants us to do. Tim, brother Tim, it's amazing how many times I've heard people say that Christian radio, books, sermons, podcasts. I know through the last twenty, thirty years, I've heard hundreds of times that a legalist is somebody who will say you have to live by certain rules. Um, if you if you need to live by certain rules, or if you have a standard of something, we'll get into that. That you're a legalist. Um, you know, Hitler started the big lie theory in, Mon- in Mein Kampf. Uh, Hitler's propagandist Joseph Goebbels made it famous and said, if you tell a big lie enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. I know if we ask most Christians what do they think legalism is, um, that people would say uh, they're really people uh, that are strict with rules and standards. Okay? So, um, so Brother Tim, um, do you live by rules and standards for the law to be saved? No, we do not. No. All right. So do we live by rules and standards for holy living, yes, to be holy? Yes, absolutely. So do we live by rules and standards to please the Father? Of course. And it is so amazing that we're even talking about this because the relationship that God gave is we are his children and he's the heavenly father. With that simple illustration, everyone knows that when children obey the Father, they're blessed. When children disobey the Father, then there's correction. That is God's definition. That is God's relationship that he put in the Bible. And It's amazing. People say, no, 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 that doesn't matter. Um, It doesn't matter what you do. uh, You're not going to be blessed or anymore by that. So. So what happened in these definitions, okay? I gave you the beginning. Webster's, 1828, it's not there. Oxford, 1838, it's there. uh, And only one definition totally in that salvation by works. Now, they added the new Oxford Dictionary, legalism. One says excessive adherence to the law. Wait, that's a new definition. Then right below it, by the way, that's definition one. Definition 1.1, it says theology. It says dependence on moral law rather than on personal faith. There we go. That's the definition that was the beginning one, but now they've added excessive adherence to the law. And then it says below it, strict conformity to the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. Okay? So they started adding that to legalism. Legalism, a strict letter of the law, not of the spirit. And so, by the way, that can be very bad um, when we do not understand the spirit of the law. For instance, um, <laughs> the Tim, what do people say sometimes, thou shalt not kill? How do they interpret that? The letter of the law, thou shalt not kill, not understanding the spirit in context, what does that turn into? Thou shalt not kill yeah, what? T-
2: if you take the letter of the law, uh, take it too seriously, then you can end up being careful where you walk to make sure you don't step on an ant, to make sure you don't kill a bug, make sure you don't kill any animal, uh, nothing like that. And that's not what it's talking about. It's, uh, not going down to the, to the extreme of killing an ant or an insect or anything like that. And it can be taken to the extreme.
1: Absolutely. So the, the letter of the law, thou shalt not kill, don't kill an ant or a flower or don't kill in war. That's not the context of that. That's not what that's talking about. That's to kill a person in murder. Um, if I am self-defense or protecting my family, if someone broke in and I kill somebody, I did not violate that right. thou shalt not kill. Okay, how come? Because the spirit of the law is murder, um, and if somebody wants to go by the letter of the law, there's some kids' books. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Uh, uh, Tim, I don't know if you guys have any of them for your kids, but um, we had some with our kids, and it's hilarious. It's called Amelia Bedelia. So, uh, Tim, have you heard of Amelia Bedelia? I have Amelia not. Bedelia? Wow, okay, you have to ask your wife about Amelia Bedelia. So Amelia Bedelia is the ultimate literalist, okay, the letter of the law. So her mom said, uh, Amelia, go dust the living room. She goes, okay. So she got a bunch of dust and put it all over the living room. She did the letter of the law. Uh, Amelia, go strip the sheets. Okay, so she took the sheets off the bed and cut them into strips. Uh, Amelia, spot this shirt. Okay, so she got a black magic marker and added spots to the shirt. Um, Now, when we hear these, we know what that means. You're removing the spots, but that's not. The letter of the law spot the shirts, and she did. So, uh, Amelia, remove the spots from this dress. Okay, so she cut all the spots out of the dress. Uh, Separate these eggs. (laughs) Literally, she said... Okay, so I don't know why these eggs, um, they must have been bad together, but she put one egg in one place and another egg in the other place. She separated them. Funniest one, I thought, when she uh, was playing baseball. And, uh, and they said, steal second base. Okay, so she picked up and stole it. Steal third. Okay, so she stole third base. Go home. And so she took second and third base and went home. I mean, that's the ultimate literalist. She's not understanding the spirit of what they meant. She's only going by the letter of what was told. And so thou shalt not kill is. And so, so, yes, if that's legalism, it can be very dangerous when you don't understand what something's talking about, the context of it. And so I understand and would agree that would be different. Now, that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is... And this is Webster's New World College Dictionary uh, for legalism. One of their definitions is strict or too strict and literal adherence to the law. And that's what they say we do. We have strict or too strict, literal adherence to the law. So here's an illustration. The tenement policeman pulls you over, and I'm never. sure this would never happen. Absolutely not. But uh, pulls you over and says, uh, <laughs> and says, do you know how fast you're going? And you said, yes. I didn't want to get pulled over, so I set my cruise control on 57." You know what the speed limit is? Uh, Yes, it's 55. So you admit you were going over the speed limit. Well, yes, but okay, I'll be right back with your ticket. Now, you could rightly say that police officer is a legalistic officer. He what? Adheres to a strict and literal code, okay? And so, um, and so yes, legalism could be used in other different areas for that, for like a, a legalistic police officer. By the way, in that next dic- uh, dictionary definition, Webster's New College Dictionary, uh, after that, strict adherence to the law... It says T-H-E-O-L period in parenthesis, and it says the doctrine of salvation by works. So they didn't lose that original definition. They just added other ones to it, a strict or too strict adherence to the law. And, um, and that can be done by any group. Uh, another definition, this, uh, another dictionary had three different definitions. A strict adherence to law or prescription uh, to the letter rather than the Spirit. And then another definition said, the doctrine that salvation is gained through good works. There's our theological definition. And then this one they had in Chinese philosophy, the the principle and practice of a school uh, or political theorist advocating strict legal control over all activities. Okay? That's what they believe. And by the way, Chinese government does that. So there are different definitions to words depending on how they were used, whether it's the Bible or legal or law or Chinese philosophy. So as Christians and pastors, we should be concerned with the theological definition. People that believe salvation comes from keeping the law. And again, there are so many people in churches out there that believe that and live by that. And so just like the um, definition of saved, the word saved, there are a lot of different definitions. Which one do we use? (laughs) The one that has to do with, um, with being saved from sin, delivered from sin, and saved on our way to heaven. I love this quote. Leonard Ravenhill said, when there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism. When there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism. And that is what so many people do. Is it legalism when Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments? He's a legalist. Is he a legalist when he said that? Is he a legalist when Jesus said, Luke 6, 46, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Hey, if we're supposed to keep his commandments and do the things that he say, then that would be what? That'd be a legalist. How come? A strict adherence to the law. Um, so is Jesus a legalist? When Peter says, uh, 1 Peter 1, 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. <laughs> Peter, he's a legalist. Um, if we're holy in all manners of conversation, are we strictly adhering to the law? Absolutely. Uh, again, not to be saved, we don't believe that. But afterwards saved, should we adhere to that? Of course. So when Paul said, right. be not conformable... Sure.
2: And if I could just add... Yeah, if I could just add to uh, the quote, uh, Leonard Ravenhill that you put that you put up there. Uh, when there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism. I would say, even uh, to a different extent, to add to that quote with Christians, I think if there's something that we see a fellow Christian. Um, have a strict standard on that is stricter or more strict than uh, a standard that we have in our life. We tend to call it legalism almost as a way to self-justify, um, why we're not doing it. And, um, and that shouldn't be our approach. If there's someone who takes a, an approach to God's word and says, Hey, the Bible says this, and I want to be very careful and very cautious not to even get close to this. And they take that approach. They believe it's biblical and it's right guess what? I'm not going up to them and saying, Hey man, you're legalistic or going and telling other people that guy's legalistic because he has a stronger standard on something than me. That's a very dangerous point as Christians. Um, I know guys who, um, uh, who I are, I'm friends with and and I care about, and they believe when it comes to sports, they'll never wear shorts when they play. They really don't wear shorts. Anytime I wear shorts. Okay. If they wear uh, if they wear pants to play sports, things like that, guess what? Um, I I don't think that's a bad stance to take and they have a very a good reason for doing it. They'll say, hey, man, I very strongly believe that my thigh shouldn't be shown and I don't even want to come close to that. And uh, and guess what? I'm not going to go tell them, well, you know, really, that's, uh, that's legalism because I wear shorts, and so I'm trying to find a way to justify, and, and, and or I just have a different standard, and not even justify, just I have a different standard than they do. Um, I think sometimes we see somebody else take a different approach than we do. And we immediately say, "Oh, that's legalism." They're, they have a stricter stance on something than I do, and that's where is. And that is
1: exactly what people do. Uh, I've always said, if somebody believes stronger and lives stronger, stricter, farther to the right than me, I'm not going to criticize them. I may be there one day. Now, if they say, like your illustration, you if you wear shorts, you're not going to go to heaven. If you wear shorts, you're on your way to hell. Um, then now they're into legalism. Okay, and I don't know any. Right, exactly. Um, Pentecostal people do, but I don't know any independent Baptists that do. And so, and by the way, when you look at breaches, we'll talk about this in another podcast, it says to cover the thigh. And so if it does, in my opinion, that's fine. And if somebody else doesn't believe that's fine and they go farther to the right, that doesn't bother me. I'm not going to call them a legalist because they have a stronger standard to the right than I do. But that's exactly it. And so, was Jesus uh, a legalist or Paul or Peter? Absolutely not. It's just simply Bible. So, Again, legalistic. You can be legalistic about Anything, the driver, the uh, police officer, or taxes. All right. Oh, you made $10. Did you claim that in your taxes? <laughs> no, it's only $10. No, no, no. Uh, you, that's income. You need to claim that on your taxes. Again, you can be legalistic in anything, a strict adherence to the law. All right. So let me illustrate with some standards. Are you ready? Okay. So uh, um, now don't freak out, and I hope we're not going to cause any panic attacks or any uh, any problems with people by talking about this. But all right, here we go um hair does God talk about it in the Bible does it matter okay God does talk about it so obviously it doesn't matter first Corinthians 11:14 doth not even nature itself teach you if a man have long hair it is a shame unto him but if a woman have long hair it is a glory to her for her hair is given her for a covering okay so um do you have to do that to be saved absolutely not. If someone believes you have to wear long hair as a woman to be saved or short hair as a man to be saved, then they are a legalist, okay? They're adding works to salvation to be saved. Um, And by the way, there are some that way. There are people in our town, they're called Pentecostals, and they never cut their hair. Um, And they believe if you cut your hair, you're not going to go to heaven because the Bible says not to be shaven or shorn, OK, that doesn't mean you can't clip the the, uh, the split ends off of your hair, but that's how they take it. And they add salvation to it. First Corinthians eleven six for if a woman be not covered. Let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shaven or shorn, let her be covered. OK, I don't think a woman should shave her head uh, shaven or shorn like you take a sheep and you shear sheep. Um, you're shaving all that. And so um, they take that strong enough to say you can't trim or cut your hair ever. And so the young girls wear it down. The older women uh, put it up in a big bun and that's what they believe. And they believe if you don't, uh, if you do cut your hair, then you're not going to go to heaven. That would be legalism, okay? But now God does say that men should have short hair. If you have long hair, it's a shame and women should have long hair. It's their glory, okay? So is that legalism to say that? No, (laughs) not at all. It's not legalism. It's actually in the Bible. Um, And so... You say, you know what, that's such a little thing. I'm sure there are people even that listen to this that roll their eyes when it even brought up hair, but it's in the Bible. And who are we to say if it's a little thing or not? Yes, I know the next verses say if someone's contentious, we don't have this custom. I understand that. But God did say it was a shame for a man to have long hair and for a woman it's her glory. So if we want to please God and obey God and serve God, then why don't we have his wish as my command? Why don't we have his desire is what I'm going to obey? There's nothing small about that. By the way, here's a little philosophy. I was in the military and they focus, guess what? on the little things if you knew (laughs) and some of you've been through the military you know they focus on the little things they come in literally the corners of your bed had to be 45 degree angle they took a quarter and if it didn't bounce off the bed it wasn't tight enough they would flip your whole bunk upside down uh your wall locker a wall locker is like a closet but it's um, a big box you can lock they would open it up check pull the uh, drawers out your your socks had to be rolled three inches they would measure Your underwear had to be rolled four inches. They would measure. Your T-shirts had to be rolled five inches, and they would measure. And if it wasn't that way in exactly the order they wanted it to be, they would take your wall locker and lean it forward, and everything would fall out. Uh, What did they do? They focused on the little things. We're standing in formation. They would come by and see if you had a string hanging off your uniform or off of a button then you would get gigged. You'd get in trouble. If your shoelaces showed any silver, we had to carry Sharpies around and blacken in our silver shoelaces to make sure it wasn't anything shiny. And listen carefully to this. When they focused on the little things, guess what they never had to worry about? Boy, basic training, we never had to worry about anybody drinking, anybody doing drugs, anybody messing around with women. The big things, they never had to worry about that. But come, they were so focused on the little things. It is little sins that lead to big sins. It is the little foxes, foxes that spoil the vines. Um, it is a big deal. When I started going away from God, I was saved as a kid and, and got in worldly groups and crowds wanted to be popular. I started my cussing by what? Little things. Words that were used in the Bible, so it can't be that bad, just saying them out of context, okay? Um, saying hell the wrong way, all right? D-A-M-N, saying it the wrong way. Instead of, hey, we're condemned to hell, it told people to go there, okay? It takes a, a word used in context to make it a curse word. Uh, to say that these people were lost and they were going to be damned to hell or receive damnation, that's not a curse word, uh, but it can be used as a curse word. So guess what it started in? Little And then what did it grow into? Okay, the same thing, starting to drink. What does it go into? Where you end up with drugs. Little sins lead to big sins. So who are we to say, oh, that's something little? In fact, the tongue is a little member that James says, what? Can defile the whole body. Solomon taught his son in Proverbs almost 200 times on his tongue, his words, his mouth, his lips, his speech. Why? Because if we can control the tongue... God says we can control, and James, the whole body. We want our teenagers to control their body, but it starts with our children. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Please, thank you. Don't interrupt. Adults are talking. So um, you can laugh about that. And if I could just add sure. to that,
2: if I could just add to that, Proverbs 28, 10, when, it, when you talk about little things, right, usually the change uh, changes uh, are not sudden. Changes are uh, they're just little changes here and there and um, and a lot of times those who are accused of being a legalist and things like that if they start to make uh, if that has an effect on them they're like well I'm trying not to be a legalist and I'm trying not to uh, uh, to do this in my life as a Christian so I'm trying to be less legalistic and change my position on that and let me start doing these little things different and uh, a lot of times those little changes lead to massive changes and uh, Proverbs 28 10 says whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way he shall himself fall into his own pit. If you're someone who is trying to preach to someone else, hey, that stance you're taking or that stance that your pastor uh, preaches is legalistic, you really do not have to uh, worry about cussing. That's that's not really a big deal. Uh, that's legalistic. You really don't have to worry about sips of alcohol. You really don't have to worry about those things. Uh, the Bible says if you're causing the righteous to go astray and you're a part of that cause of getting the righteous to go astray, even in just a little way, in just a little little way you cause them to go astray, the Bible says you'll fall into your own pit. I would be very, very careful and very cautious of trying to convince someone to change uh, things even in a little way because a lot of times if you're a part of convincing someone uh, that little sips, sips of alcohol are no big deal, uh, a lot of times it leads them to go astray in a big way down the road and uh, that is a very dangerous position. If you try and convince someone in a lot of different standards that they have that are based on the Bible that, hey, that's legalistic. You really don't have to do that. Come over to this side. Come on to this side of things. It's Just make the little change. It's not a big deal. That's a very dangerous position to take of trying to get someone to change their position uh, in even just a little way because it leads to uh, a big changes and, and massive changes later on.
1: Absolutely. It does, and we've seen so many people, um, and that changes the position. Where they stop, nobody knows. So, all right, so back on the hair. So, uh, Tim, so saying that men shouldn't have long hair because God said it's a shame and women should have long hair because it's their glory, is that heresy, is that false doctrine, and is that legalism? No, it's not. Yeah, not at all. So, um, so here we go to this, and let me explain this. We're going to have a whole podcast on this sometime, but I wanted to get this out and let you start thinking about it. Um, so, how long? What's long? If a man have long hair, it's a shame. Does the Bible define how long it is? No um so what's short does the bible define for short uh if a woman had this size hair no it doesn't define that okay so let me explain here on standards and uh there's four different words okay you am going to go through these a couple times but i want you to get this doctrine standards convictions and preferences if you listen carefully this will make so much sense to you And I believe everybody, no matter where you're coming from, you're going to have to nod and go, okay, that that makes sense. Doctrine, standards, convictions, and preferences. Doctrine is simply teaching, okay? Doctrine means teaching. Teaching on anything. Teaching on salvation, the doctrine. Teaching on uh, hair. Teaching on clothing. Teaching on music. uh, Teaching on prophecy. Teaching on the future, okay? Doctrine is just simply teaching. That's what it means. And it's used in secular terms, the Reagan doctrine, okay? Uh, He had a Reagan doctrine politically, won't go into that. Uh, The Truman Doctrine, okay, Um, they had a Truman Doctrine that talked about the Soviet forces and what they would do. Uh, The Monroe Doctrine, okay, that deals with this uh, Western uh, Hemisphere and, and, and colonization, they have the Monroe Doctrine. What does it mean? The Monroe Teaching, the Reagan Teaching, the Truman Teaching, okay? That's all it means. So, doctrine means teaching. Now, we get our doctrine from the Bible, all right? What's the doctrine of hair in the Bible? What's the doctrine of baptism in the Bible? What's the doctrine of salvation, okay? That's just teaching. Then, Convictions is simply that, that which convicts you. Okay, that which convicts you. Many people say, you know what, I just don't have that conviction, it doesn't convict me. If it doesn't convict you, but it's still in the Bible, then you ought to check yourself, okay? Uh, Do you have a seared conscience? Have you quenched or grieved the Holy Spirit? If God says this and you're not convicted by it, if my son says, you know, dad, I just don't have a conviction about guys with long hair. I want to grow a mullet. They're coming back. <laughs> Guess what? No, son, not in my house. You're not going to. Uh, how come? Because dad sets a standard. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And so conviction is that which convicts you. And by the way, usually it's based on a, a Bible verse or principle. Sometimes you can be convicted about something. There may not be a verse for it. That's okay. That's a personal conviction that you have. Um, and nothing wrong to be able to live that. Then, preferences, okay? Preferences are inside of the doctrine what your personal preference is. For instance, on the hair, okay? Girls' hair, how long? My wife loves long hair on the girls, loves it. I mean, way down their back, way, way, way down. And so the girl's like, mom, I want to cut my hair. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful, so long. So um, for my wife, her preference for the girls is super, super long hair. Um, Not in the middle of your back, just keep on going. Um, That's a preference for her, okay? And uh, in our home, if she wants to see Set that as here's what our girls are going to do, then we can do that. Uh, guys, my preference, I was in the military. Um, so to me, tapered off the ear, off the collar. Uh, if I start feeling like, okay, I need a haircut. I need a haircut right now. Okay. Doesn't look like to most people I need a haircut, but to me, uh, my preferences is, is tapered off the ear and off the collar. Now, if someone says, well, my preference is blot. Okay, I'm not going to fight you on that. Um, That's your preference. There is nothing in the Bible that says which is what is short and what is long. Okay? So the doctrine is a teaching. Conviction, what convicts you. Um, The preferences is your preference. And then here's a big one, the standard. What's the standard? Very simply, here's a dictionary definition. That which is established as a rule or model by the authority. Okay, Every authority establishes the rule or the model on what they're over. For instance, in my home, I set the standard on whatever it is, clothing, dress, um, music, um, um, hair. I set the standard. I am the, the father. I'm going to give an account to God for our home. And so I set that standard. At work, the boss sets the standard. And again, when we talk about this more, and we'll go into this a lot, it is amazing what people are willing to do for money because their boss says it, but they're not willing to do it for God because God says it, okay? We'll get into that a lot. But every boss sets the standard at work. Uh, The school sets the standard at work. Um, We have a men's home. We have a standard. Here's what they need to go by. College sets the standard. Military sets the standard. Whoever's the authority sets the standard there, and it can change depending on uh, who's there. So if someone's gonna live in my home, then this is our standard. I get a son that comes home from college, and he says, you know, I'm just gonna grow my hair out this summer. Okay, fine, you can do that. But you can't do it living here because we have a standard, and that is set by the authority. Every group sets an authority and standard of what they're going to wear, what they're going to look like. Uh, McDonald's had a standard that said, okay, only one piercing. That was their standard. I can't believe they're so legalistic. Really? No. They set the standard. That's what they said. That's McDonald's. That's what they want. Some places will say, okay, no exposed tats. If you have tats on your arms, you need to wear a long sleeve. Can they do that? That's their standard at their workplace. And people are glad to do that for a paycheck. Many times they're not glad to do that for God. So uh, long hair is a shame for men. How long is long? Could a guy have hair to his shoulder and some people think that that's not long? They could. Uh, they could think long is all the way to the, to the bottom of their back. Okay. Um, but each authority sets a standard. Okay. According to their doctrine. Their convictions and their preferences. So simple, but the tim is this: everyone has standards. I don't like it when preachers on our side say, "Ah, those people—they—they they don't have any standards." Okay, that's not true. Yeah. They do have a standard. That standard may have lowered. That standard may have changed. That they may not have a biblical standard but they have a standard no one believes it's okay to be naked uh modest apparel we'll go into that so here the same thing it's a doctrine. what's the doctrine? what does the bible teach about hair then what are my convictions what are my preferences, and then I set a standard for the things that I am over my men's home. Okay, uh, I I help direct that. So we have a standard. My home, I have a standard for that. When we had a Christian school, we had a standard for that. Um, so whatever you're over, the authority sets that standard. Modest apparel, First uh, Timothy two nine. In like manner, that women also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness, sobriety, not with braided hair, gold, pearls, or costly array. We're not going to get into a lot of that, but uh, Uh, But modest, okay? What is modest? Modest is not attracting sexual attention. Modest. Different definitions, but that's uh, the one concerning modest apparel. Uh, People say, oh, swimming, modest apparel. Um, By the time I saw this, I think I showed it to you at the time, but it was a youth director, and he went on this major apology tour apologizing to all the girls in his youth groups for the last 10-15 years when they went to camp, their standard was they had to wear a modest one-piece. Okay, Um, I don't know what that means, a modest one-piece. But anyway, that's what they had to wear. And he was apologizing to all these teen girls for putting them in that awkward position where they had to wear a modest one-piece. They couldn't wear a bikini. Uh, And he apologized, and he said he shouldn't have said that. They should have been able to wear a bikini or anything that they want. And here's why he said that. It's not up to what the girls wear for the guys to keep their mind right. The guys should control their mind. Well, listen, each person has a responsibility. Yes, a guy needs to control where he looks and what he thinks about, but ladies should control what she wears. Um, they shouldn't expose something that should only be seen by the husband. There is an attire of the harlot. Uh, the Bible talks about that. And so it, this um, this part of modesty, again, what is the doctrine of modesty? What does the Bible talk about? What's the attire of a harlot? What do they wear? So there's a doctrine of that. What convicts me? What are my preferences? And then each group sets the standard for their group. Was it Tim?
2: Yeah, and the verse before, uh, verse 8 It says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. There's a direct correlation between verse eight and nine when it says, in like manner, also going into verse nine. Uh, Basically, men can't lift up holy hands in prayer and be the spiritual leaders they need to be if they're looking at immodest women all the time. So it's important for men to keep their mind clean and for women uh, to care about modest apparel at the same time. It should be uh, both caring about that. Men ought not to be looking at trash on the internet and women ought not be. Trying to model that trash on the internet, it goes both ways. I agree with what you 're saying. Christian men and women uh, are they ought to strive to be pleasing to Christ in this issue. Remember that both have bodies that are the temple of the Holy Ghost and that they are bought with a price this isn 't like a legalism stance. this is just striving to please God and those verses are very clear about those things,
1: yeah. So, again, we're just using this as an illustration. We're going to get into standards more. But to understand doctrine, that's the teaching of it, whether it's hair or modesty. Okay? Then what are my convictions? What convicts me? What are my preferences? And then the authority sets up the standard. Uh, I'm the chaplain at our jail. Uh, When I go in through the front door where they have visitation, they have um, papers up there with things typed on them. And it says, no tank tops, no crop tops, no cleavage. Uh, shirts, sorry, skirts and shorts to the knee. That's their standard at a jail for someone to come to visitation. Why? (laughs) They have a standard Um, because it's not good for a guy in jail to see things that will turn him on sexually and then go back with a bunch of men. That's not a good thing. And so the jail has a standard of what women wear when they come. So they're not tempting and enticing a guy um, that's there. So everyone has a standard. Everyone, the jail does. Oh, we, we, we just don't, uh, we're about standards. So if someone comes into your church naked, are they okay? No, okay. So for modest swimsuit, what is that? Which one is not going to attract sexual attention? Um, and so everyone has a standard. I promise you, you do. And by the way, in some standards, okay, this uh, modest one piece, that's their modesty. Some, it's a bikini. Some is a string bikini. Some is a thong bikini. Some is topless. And they think they're modest. Okay. Everybody has a standard. Is it biblical? Where are you getting your standard from? Yeah. From the doctrine of the Bible, for convictions, from preferences, or what your lust wants to be. So everybody has a standard. So we should get away so oh man, that guy is a legalist. Um, he uh, uh, he has standards. Everyone has a standard. Um, and so 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 we've talked about that theological definition for legalism is simply adding works for salvation, a work salvation. Okay. But let's go ahead and go with other people's definition. Um, the definition they use a strict adherence to the law. Okay. So I would like to ask someone who would call me a legalist. Do you have a strict adherence to the law? They would say, no. Okay. The law says thou shall not kill. So do you have a strict adherence to that law? Uh, well, yes. Okay, me too. So you're a legalist. You have a strict adherence to that law. Thou shalt not steal. Do you have a strict adherence to that law? Um, well, yeah, I, I do. Oh, good. <laughs> so do I. So you're a legalist. You have a strict adherence to that law. How about this? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Do you have a strict adherence to that law? Well, yes, I do. Well, I'm glad you do. Guess what? I do also. I have a strict adherence to that law. So listen, according to your definition, we are both legalists. Do you understand that? Do you get that? Can you think through that? The definition is strict adherence to the law. And everyone has, okay, unless they're totally lawless, everyone who claims to be Christian has a strict adherence to some laws. The only difference is which laws Do we adhere to? That's the only difference. I strictly adhere to the law. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I I, I strictly adhere to that. I haven't said a curse word in over 30 years since I was in the army. Uh, Change that. So do you have a strict adherence to that law? How about this one? Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. I won't, won't quote the whole verse, but think on these things. You know it. So do you have a strict adherence to that law? What you think about? Well, we try to. Do you strictly adhere to that law? If your definition for legalism, is someone who has a strict adherence to the law, then everyone is a legalist. It just depends on which laws you strictly adhere to. Uh, And you're like, well, we're not worried about the little picky things. Okay, like what? I'd like to know, what do you think is no big deal to God? What law, what Bible verse do you think that one really doesn't matter to God? Okay? We use the one. I use hair on purpose because that seems so little. That really doesn't matter. But God said it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And that would seem little because Paul says afterwards, if you're contentious, okay, we're not going to have that custom. So, cool, that could seem little. But if you want to please God, then guess what? no your wish is my royal command. Whatever you desire for me to do, I'm going to look to please that because I love God and I want to please God. So there are no little things to God. There are no little laws to God. If it's a law, if it's a Bible, then we ought to work for that. Uh, Not to be saved, that's legalism, but because we're saved. So um, if I were to say, should I obey God and the Bible not to be saved but because i'm saved that's true again that's a relationship god gives us as a father and a child to be in my family all you have to do is be born but to be blessed in my family you need to obey me as father and the rules and the standards that we have set down that is the same way with god so theological legalism saved by good works how they've added and changed to the definition, a strict adherence to the law, then listen carefully. Every person listening to this in some area, I hope that's not kill, that's not steal, that's not commit adultery, then you are a legalist because you are a strict adherence to that law, and that's okay. So stop calling people legalism just because they have a standard that's stronger or farther to the right than yours, because technically, according to that definition, you are a legalist also. Was it Tim?
2: Yeah, if I could just add uh, to that, um, in Proverbs 28, 4, it says, They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. If you're someone um, who loves the Lord and you're trying to follow God's word, follow the teaching of, God, of God's word, and, and have uh, a strict adherence to what God says, and, uh, it is, uh, it, there is some contending with it. You got to, uh, you got to fight to keep it. We're living in a world, um, where the whole goal is to try and blur every line there is and to blur, uh, any type of distinction between men and women, um, and b- between really almost any type of right and wrong, it's all blur. Let's blur everything. And, uh, there is some, there is some form of, Hey, we got to stand for right, Um, if, if I believe something from God's word and I believe that is a standard, a conviction, a doctrine in my life that I need to keep and, uh, and things like that, then don't be easily swayed by someone who's saying, Hey, you're legalistic for keeping that. And, uh, I, I think that should be something when you hear someone call you that, when you know what theological, uh, legalism really is, you just say, okay, thank you and move on because it's, it's just so ridiculous. The beginning of that verse is they that forsake the law, praise the wicked, um, you know, uh, it's interesting. Usually those who, uh, no longer believe in things, uh, from God's word, they typically go to the other side and they start praising the, the wicked, praising the things of the world. And they flaunt it back to those who still believe what the others originally believed. And they'll try and, uh, They'll try and say, hey, look, I used to be where you were at. I used to, I used to be in that world of legalism, but man, now I'm, I'm out of it. And this life over here, it's incredible. It's such an, it's such an incredible thing. And uh, for those who you still try and follow God's word and what God's word says in, in uh, ways of living, and to have a close relationship with God, I would, just, uh, I would just say stand strong in what you believe and don't be easily swayed by those who are trying to throw the, the term of this new term of legalism uh, at you. And uh, it's, it's really one of those things that, man, we should just be trying to please God, focus on what God wants us to do and focus on souls. If we could do that as Christians, our life would be so incredible and our relationship with the Father would be incredible. And that's what I hope all of our goal uh, can be and should be.
1: Awesome. Great summary for that. So um, we're going to end this. Uh, it, there will be two um, episodes of this. I've got a lot more. We want to talk about some nuances that people tweak and say, oh, this is legalism, that legalism. So we want to get into that. But um, in summary for this, theological legalism. OK, look it up. Look it up at the beginning of it is works for salvation okay that is legalism how they've added and changed it later on is a strict adherence to the law of which all of us are to an extent it's not legalism to have a standard everyone has a standard so stop with that and like brother tim said When somebody calls me a racist, okay, great. You know, To defend that, I don't need to. My life shows that. Our church shows that. The people that I've reached shows that. My friends show that. And when you start defending it, um, then it puts you in a position where, okay, you don't sound good trying to defend that. Um, The same thing, legalist, yeah, right, fine. I, when the lady said, oh, you gotta go to your church to go to heaven, I heard. You just laugh, and we are so far from that, from people that understand it. So, uh, like Brother Tim said, focus on pleasing God. God, winning souls, helping people, and um, and uh, by the way, when they say, oh, they've been where we are, you know what? I've been where they are, and it's not a good position. You might think it's fun. <laughs> uh, you might think it's good now. There is pleasure in sin. The problem is it's only for a season, and what comes after that is big. But Tim, when we um, had the problem with our church and assistant pastor started changing and started a church across town and started pulling people away, people that had never, ever drank alcohol started now drinking alcohol. Because uh, he taught, oh, drunkenness is bad, but um, uh, but uh, it's not a sin to drink. And so they started drinking. And guess what happened when they drank? <gasps> oh no, they got drunk. And then they started going down from there, even bouncers and bars. And guess what happened after that? Divorce, wrecked lives, ruined lives. How come? Because that's what it brings. The way of the transgressor is hard. We'll get into that more, but um, it's not legalism to have a belief and a strong conviction and something that you live and a standard that you have, because everyone has them. So we will. Um, I don't know if we'll do part two next time or have a few in between, but there's a part two to this. And if you have any questions about it, feel free. As you know, you can go to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com and send us a message. So, the uh, Tim, anything else? No, I think
2: that's. I think that's just about it. I'm just thankful that. That we have God's word, and uh, and when Jesus talked about um, His burden and His yoke, it's easy, it's light. Uh, rules and things from God's word, having the the guide to be able to live by as we go through life, it's a blessing, not a curse. I'm glad I have God's word as a guidebook uh, to know how to guide my family, how to live my life, how to stay. If I stay close to it how much better my life will be. So I'm grateful for God's word and I'm grateful for the guidelines God puts in his word and things to stay away from. It's it's such a blessing uh, to keep me from pitfalls. And so um, I, would, I would just hope that we could look at God's word as as a blessing, not a curse and something that's there to keep us from fun. It's there to keep us from sin and a life of destruction. And uh, And the more we look at God's word like that, I think the better our life will be. Amen. Awesome.
1: You, Sounds great. All right. God bless you. Thanks for uh, tuning in and uh, share those with some other people. I know there are a lot of churches and Christians that need to hear this message. So I hope that you do. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com.